0: M&K Talk YA now presents *Vengeful*, Part Two of the Villains Duology by B.E. Schwab. back to MK Talk YA.
1: I'm Marissa Snyder.
0: And I'm Katie Bradford.
1: And welcome back to our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. Uh, this week we are finishing up our, our first series of the new year. It was The Villains Duology by V.E. Schwab. And we just finished reading the second book, Vengeful.
0: I kind of forgot that like we're done with the series now. I know. It, it went
1: fast. It went super fast, and like all duologies do, and it I think it was just like the end, it didn't end the way I expected it to, and it made me think there was another book, and then I got to the end of it and I was like, oh my gosh, we're done, that's it, no I more. Know.
0: I wonder if she will have another book, like she hasn't said that she will, but she took five years off in between, maybe in another three years we'll get back to this world, who knows?
1: I could see her doing something like um, how Marie Lou is writing Legend 4. That's like years later. Mm-hmm. I could see her doing something like that.
0: Yeah, or just picking like like staying in the world. Even like, um, what's her name? Grishaverse.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lee Bardugo.
0: Yeah, something like that. Because it's just such an interesting concept, and we've got all these other characters, and there's so much more room for these EOS and their abilities. And yeah,
1: like the possibility of EOS and their abilities is endless. And how fun! Like how fun to think up what their abilities would be, and how they got them. Yeah. Did you read Warm Up? I did, finally, okay. I did, finally. I did. I forgot about it the last, like, three times we recorded, but I finally read it. It was pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. I I liked that one a lot because I just finished watching this documentary on Netflix. It was called Meru, and it was, it was really, really good, but it was about these guys who were trying to climb Meru, this mountain, I guess. I don't really know... Well, I watched the documentary I should know more about it, but um, <laughs> it, it was basically like it's a really, really high peak and it's really treacherous and it's like a very technical climb, which is completely different from Everest, which is pretty much it's pretty straightforward in terms of like mountaineering. And this this particular peak is notoriously difficult and it had never been summited until these people did it and so when I was watching this and then I read warm-up because David is the main character in warm-up who dies in a mountaineering Mm -hmm. accident and it was just like oh this is kind of weird timing
0: yeah and his ability is that he can burn things because his last thought was about being warm or whatever
1: yeah he was thinking like warm-up warm-up and he died like from exposure essentially which
0: oh sounds like a terrible way to
1: go oh my gosh
0: although okay i do think in a different life i would have enjoyed being a mountaineer really like some i like love stories about like watching movies or reading books or just like something about that like really appeals to a part of me that isn't developed in my actual life but like could have been developed in an alternate life i don't know if that makes any sense
1: that's interesting because i watch i like things like that too but i watch it with like the same kind of horror fascination that i watch like serial killer movies (laughs) Like, we just watched the Ted Bundy tapes, and I was, like, equally engrossed in that because of how horrifying it was to me. I could never, ever be a (laughs) mountaineer.
0: Well, I also think in an alternate life, I could have been a really good serial killer, so maybe I just have, (laughs) like, a weird... I'm just kidding. But, um... No, wait, have I told you my Ted Bundy story? No! So, because he killed a bunch of Kai Omegas, right? Yes. Yeah. At a sorority. So yeah. I was in Chi Omega and one of our like house moms, like an older alum lady went to school with Ted Bundy because he was in oh law school, right? I haven't watched the videos. I yeah, yeah. He was in law details. school. So she used to study with him and she was a Chi Omega. No. Yeah, they studied together, and she was telling huh? the stories about how, like, his car didn't... She couldn't unlock the passenger door, and she thought it was weird.
1: His VW bug? Yeah. Oh, but so like, oh my God. And
0: she... But it's funny to hear her tell the story, because she kind of... I don't think she actually means this, but she almost tells the story, like, I'm... Like, she's offended that... Because he only killed, like, beautiful people or something. Like, she's offended he never tried to kill her. But I know that's oh not really God. what she means, but just... She tells the story, really, in an interesting way, but...
1: That's insane. Yeah. And she studied with him and just never suspected anything. Yeah. So I don't
0: know. I'm trying. Because I guess I was in law school. So I, so she wasn't in the sorority there. Like she had been an alum as an undergrad. Or, you know, she was a Chi Omega yeah. as an undergrad. So she wasn't like at the house and she wasn't at, like he never did anything to her personally. But she, <gasps> yeah, knew him at law school.
1: That's horrifying.
0: But so we have a rule at Chi Omega that you can't have boys on like the floors with bedrooms Uh I know some sororities do and some sororities don't or whatever but she would she was like the house the yeah the one at the house so she'd always like when she was going over the rules tell us the story about Ted Bundy
1: and I don't know oh my god (laughs) and then you were like yeah now I really don't want to bring a boy up here thanks I don't
0: even want to talk to a boy ever again (laughs) but wow
1: that is so terrifying
0: speaking of serial killers (laughs) oh
1: yeah mountaineering is serial killers. oh But I (laughs) am also thinking about warm-up, too, because it's like, I so I live in Chicago, and it's the day of the polar vortex, and um, I actually did go outside. Well, Chad went outside because he threw a mug of boiling water into the air to see if it would turn to snow immediately, and it did. And then I had to go let a neighbor's dog out, and so I was like, all right, here we go, and I was ready for it, and honestly, like, it was really cold, and it was like the cold that like burns your skin and it's really hard to breathe but Mm -hmm. like I was fine like I made it down I made it like the 10 minute walk there and back no problem but I mean people were freaking out about how cold it was yeah I mean I don't live there
0: anymore it's 75 degrees where I am right now but um I've been telling Toby how lucky he is that we don't (laughs) live in Chicago anymore because I probably wouldn't let him
1: outside (laughs) <laughs> well i keep i keep hearing stories of like it's colder than the face of mars and actually my little cousin is in Ant- antarctica right now on an yeah expedition with her mother
0: <laughs> i saw on facebook and literally every comment on the picture she posted is like oh yeah you're warming up out of chicago or like yeah. comments about
1: <laughs> she's from chicago too and i was like i was like it, you were the only person who could go to antarctica and have it be warmer than <laughs> where yeah. you were previously <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. So yeah, so you get kind of this warm-up ability. But this, so like, so like all of these powers that we're learning about kind of backfire or they're not as great as you might think, right? So he essentially drives his whole family away, especially before he learns how to control Mm -hmm. his ability. And I thought, but you said something last week about, I think it was about Marcella and her like adjustment to her power. Did you kind of feel like David was a little bit more realistic? Like how he kind
1: of, yeah. I did. And I mean, and definitely in terms of, like, the lasting impact that it has on you and also just, like, how traumatic it is. And, like, you, you, and no, I don't think any of these people continue living their regular lives. Like, that's kind of universal. All the people have, like, this big upheaval eventually. hmm I think that she, the author did a good job of showing how people are actually suffering because of these, quote-unquote, superpowers.
0: Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's what they say about near-death experiences, too, right? That they have, like, a huge shift in personality or life or what, mm-hmm. like, it greatly affects you. So it was kind of cool that, in this case, it wasn't necessarily the near-death experience. It was what resulted from the near-death experience. Yeah. But still, you kind of saw that, like you said, with almost every character.
1: Yeah, except Marcella. Marcella's the one who's just, like, gleeful about it and wants to become the most powerful person in the entire world. Yep and has like n- pretty much no remorse for for anything she just she was like a really fascinating character to me cuz like i like how she gets irritated because they people won't draw their guns when she walks into the room. Yeah. <laughs> She's like I've killed so many people and they still won't draw their weapons. Like they're still not threatened by her. That's irritating to her.
0: Yeah. She was her motivation was very clear, like that mm-hmm. she wanted power. That's what she wanted even before she got her power. And I agree. I thought she was a really interesting character. And it's it, but it's curious because like you said she has no remorse. Eli has no remorse. Victor has no remorse. Mm-mm. But they're such different characters even with their backstory and their motivations and it's just it's kind of interesting how like you could almost simplify it to be like oh they're all the same or something you know they're all kind of like crazy people who kill people and they're all monsters have magical powers and whatever whatever but they're I think she did such a good job of having like very different voices and very Mm -hmm. different like they felt really different
1: yeah all the um superheroes the eos were very nuanced I thought which I appreciate it. Like, we get so many even in in this second half. Like, Jonathan, the guy who Mm -hmm. essentially creates can create a shield, Um, like he's invincible and he can protect other people. I thought his story was so sad with, you know, his wife and his last thought was like, oh, she shouldn't have died. And so he can shield people, but he keeps trying to kill himself so that he can go Mm -hmm. back and rejoin his wife. And it's just like, it's so, it's so, so sad some some of their superpowers, and some of them don't even have any real motivation. They're just kind of, like, being strung along by Victor and Marcella.
0: Yeah. I think – okay, what do you think about June? Because I thought she was interesting, and I didn't feel like I got enough of who she is. Like, I wanted more of her backstory. And, I know. And I thought it was interesting at the end, because at the end, you see her go – I mean, like, she's still around doing her own thing. She survived the confrontation, if you will, the big – the day of, or whatever, the –
1: Oh, at Marcella's party? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And she's deleted herself from the database now, so she's kind of free and clear, but
1: well, I don't know. it was such, Um, to me, this was such a classic V.E. Schwab move, because remember when we read A Darker Shade of Magic, we were kind of a little bit furious at the end, because we were like, yeah, so many unanswered questions. We didn't get Lila's backstory, we didn't mm-hmm. get Kel's backstory, and we just kind of felt a little bit let down by that
0: oh my goodness, I'm mad about it again. Especially,
1: because, <laughs> shouldn't like, have what happened up. to Kel's family? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never stop thinking about it. <laughs> but, like, it was the same thing that happened with June, where part of me was, like, I appreciate the idea that she, you know, she kept saying, like, a girl is entitled to her secrets. Like, every mm-hmm. time someone asked about her past, that's what she would say. And part of me's like, yeah, you're right. Like, part of you should not give up that secret. You should – keep that for yourself and I kind of understand like as a reader I have to be okay with that but at the same time I was just like I wish we knew where she was coming from because I had questions about her motivations that didn't make sense like why she was so obsessed with Sydney yeah and I was like if we knew about her backstory what happened maybe it would clarify you know why she felt that way about Sydney and why she was so determined to save her and like had this weird fascination with her and so because we never got that that part felt really unsatisfying to me.
0: Yeah. And at first, I thought she couldn't use her own skin for some reason, me but too. she could. She just chose not to. And I wanted to understand more of that motivation. But you're right. It was like a selfish, like, as a reader, I wanted the answers, but it didn't necessarily feel untrue to the character but at the same time she's like trying to build a rapport and like create a family and stuff in some ways i wish her and sydney had had like a heart to heart where she revealed more of her own situation or
1: something i mean the only thing we do kind of get is when they go to kill so she's a hitman right so she or yeah she's a hired assassin essentially and she says something about she wanted to kill a guy named i forget what his name was but she kept saying like it's personal Mm -hmm. and so that that was like
0: marcella's husband's old boss right
1: yeah yeah oh hutch his name was anthony Mm -hmm. hutch and she that's like kind of how june and marcella got together because she was like you can get me close to him, this is something personal, and you you almost killed him, essentially, and I I want to be the one who kills him, and it's personal. So I kind of got like, maybe he did something to her, and she was kind of trying to take revenge on him for that. But it was, again, yeah. it was like a little
0: snippet. Well, and she had four or five names on her list, and that was the last one. Right, so we don't, right.
1: Yeah. So we don't really understand why she wanted to kill him, but she did. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like... Actually, that was a really cool moment for June because that's when we learned that she's she's she can't just change appearances, but she's also kind of like a living voodoo doll. So, like, yeah. she shoots Hutch, or, like, Hutch shoots her, but since she is taking on his appearance, he actually shoots himself, and, like, he ends up killing himself, essentially. And that was really cool. Yeah,
0: that was a crazy power. I really hope I don't run into her on the sidewalk someday.
1: I know, and it's just, like... I I love the idea of, like, if you stab – if she stabs her leg while she's wearing your form, like, you'll feel it miles away. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. nuts.
0: Or if she just adopts your body and then gets hit by a truck, like, sorry. Oh, yeah. Even though you were perfectly fine and safe. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorite Eos, even though we don't get a lot about her backstory. I think I like her superpower the best.
0: Yeah, she has a cool superpower.
1: What else? Oh, Dom let's talk about Dom.
0: Oh, I know. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> I don't even Me know. Too. Like I, especially because it sort of felt like, I mean, he just kind of felt like Victor's, like he did everything Victor said. And in mm-hmm. some ways he had to, and in some ways he wanted to, but I like really wanted him to get something out of it at the end or like, I don't know. Well, but that's another thing. So Dom's co-worker, it's also an EO, right? She could go through walls.
1: Rios, yeah.
0: Yep. That was interesting, too. That
1: was so, that was such a cool reveal. I mean, because even, like, when he first starts working for EO1, I was so nervous for him because he was, like, in the midst of these people and he saw what they were doing to the EOs. And I was just, like, I'd be so terrified. Like, if he let slip at all that he was one of them, the things they would do to him were, were so awful and he saw it firsthand. And I was just, like, I was sick for how nervous i was for him
0: mm-hmm. no i was too especially because he was so nervous and you knew he might have been fine but he could only reveal his power once kind of thing yeah which is what happened like once like if he panicked too early he might be able to get away but then he'd be exposed mm-hmm. so it was sort of like this balancing act of him trying and like especially when he's in crippling pain every time victor dies
1: yeah and victor was the one who told him to accept the job basically like yeah. I need inside eyes in there, so you're going to take this job. And then he ends up dying, getting Victor out.
0: Yeah. And go stop Eli and make sure you You help me. and Yeah.
1: Uh, He really was like Victor's sidekick. Okay.
0: Although I'm a little bit confused because, Mm. so he went to his shadow world. Yeah. And got to Victor. So then how did he get shot? Did he have to come out of the shadow world to bring Victor into the shadow world for a split second? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because part of me was, like, if the gun went off and he was in the shadow world, it shouldn't have...
1: No, because remember, they're in the shadow world and he's, like, faltering. And he's, like... And at the end of it, Victor was, like, he had no idea how he made it as long as he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he th- throws himself in front of the bullet for Victor.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how it sounded. Ugh. But... I just thought if he was in the shadow world it wouldn't have gotten to him but I guess if he had to come out for a second then it would have
1: Talk about being Victor's sidekick that's really what he was yeah. it's which is so sad and I also I took that Disney sidekick quiz that you sent me Oh yeah <laughs> I got really angry because I took the quiz to see what Disney character sidekick I was and I got Olaf the freaking <laughs> Olaf
0: is awesome
1: He's obnoxious <laughs>
0: What did it what did it say about it did
1: it say much? I didn't read enough because I saw Olaf and I like threw my phone across the room because I was so mad. And then I took it again and I got someone who I didn't know, something named Parcel. Hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't know who it was. I was like, well, great. I got I got
0: Pegasus. I forget if I said that last week. <gasps> oh,
1: you didn't tell me that. From Hercules. It says, oh, that's so You can be so a bit good.
0: no-nonsense when the situation calls for it, but you love <laughs> to have fun. You are fiercely protective of your friends.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. That just... For some reason, that made me think of Percy Jackson and his Pegasus Blackjack, who likes donuts. (laughs) I used to, like,
0: have dreams in my dream world that I, like, lived in, you know? I had a Pegasus, so that was kind of cool.
1: You had a- what? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) You know, like,
0: when you're little, you invent, like, your own, like, dream world situations. Yeah. yeah. My, like, dream world character had a Pegasus. Like, my imaginary life when I was little.
1: I wish we could- I wish we could actually (laughs) live there. (laughs) that I know sounds great <laughs> okay the other eo i wanted to talk about was ian campbell wait who he was the one he was the last guy that victor sought out who he thought could help him and the, the doctor um no because no, the doctor was the one oh who wasn't the, one, the doctor the that was like a yeah, setup yeah. for yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. the guy before that was this guy named ian campbell and he can heal but he tries to heal victor and he says I can't rewind death, but I can undo a violence. I can heal a violence done by someone else, but whatever's happened to you, however you're hurt, you've done it to yourself. Yeah. And I loved that part. I thought that was really cool, too. And it affected
0: Victor a little bit, too. which Totally.
1: Because finally, it was like, okay, you can't say that you've never been told. Like, you are not innocent. You are not a victim. And and, and this was like a completely objective thing. The power judged for itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And found him not worthy of it. Not worthy of being healed. And I thought that was just, like, very poetic and very deserved, honestly. He did do everything that happened to him. He absolutely did to himself.
0: But at the end of the day, we see our evil doctor friend who has developed some kind of power antidote. And Victor's able to take that and stay alive basically right yeah so he took and he's planning to do more experimentation so he like learned his lesson but he also still found a loophole and he's still
1: I don't know so what do you feel about the end I don't
0: know I want more but I also was kind of I also kind of felt good about it it's, yeah. it sort of reminded me of the first one it had a little bit more of an open ending or a little bit less clean in some ways I think especially when you add in the June piece at the end mm-hmm. but for the most part it I liked that it like concluded in a lot of ways
1: it felt right to me. Mm-hmm. I felt sad that that Victor ended up breaking ties with um, Sydney, but I I thought that in reality it was kind of the best thing he could have done. Yeah, and I and you know I think she will get over that. But I really did love the whole thing with like that moment when Eli and Victor are finally facing each other and their powers are gone, right? Because they're they yeah. have that, that gas that the doctor wafted through the vents. And they're mm-hmm. both, like, kind of on equal footing. And then Sydney just shoots Eli. Like,
0: Yeah, I even like that part because she's the one who's been having nightmares about him shooting her.
1: Yeah. I'm glad
0: she kind of got her peace of mind. And I even mm-hmm. like that Victor went and killed Stell, which I didn't want him to die, obviously. But I felt like, of course he had to kill Stell because he can never be safe and at peace with Stell after him.
1: But that's part. That's the part that I was a little bit confused about because before he kills Stell, he says, to, or Stell is like, don't kill me because if you kill me, you'll make yourself One's number one enemy, their primary target. They will never stop hunting you. And Victor says, I know. So it's almost like he, and then he leaves them that note that's like, catch me if you can. So it's like, I, I don't know what to think of that. Like, I'm wondering, did he do that because he knows that he can continuously evade them? and he's going to keep them away from Sydney and June?
0: Well, I think, in part, it was back to this whole revenge thing. Like, why was he so obsessed with getting Eli there? And then, Still was the one who put him into jail twice. There was no, like, I think, even though, I mean, Eon would be after him whether or not Still was alive or dead, to be honest. And I think yeah. it was more personal with Still in a lot of ways. I don't know if he was intentionally trying to protect Sydney or not, but I think, in some ways, he was... Like, what else does he have to live for? I think he likes, I think he kind of likes trying to outsmart them.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think you're, I think you're also right that like the idea of getting revenge against Stell was worth more than his life. Like, Mm -hmm. he would have been willing to die in order to right that wrong that he kind of felt was committed against him. So, but I think he also enjoys the cat and mouse.
0: Yeah, I think he does too. And especially, I mean, that's like he's been. He likes thinking about these, like, complex problems. You know, like, he's, like, Mm -hmm. a big problem-solver kind of guy. And I actually was kind of surprised he didn't do more of what Marcello was doing or trying to, like, gather more of a team of Eos together. Mm -hmm. But now he's a lone wolf again. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Because in some ways, I think he became a little bit more human throughout this process. But in other ways, he didn't at all. So
1: I think, like, the whole being in pain and dying was humbling him a little bit. A little bit. Not a lot. But... I think it made him kind of feel that he wasn't immortal anymore or, you know, that he wasn't this god that couldn't be harmed, you know, like, he was suffering towards the end.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's still, he still, like, shoots a lot of people that he maybe could have found a different solution for,
1: Mm -hmm. but
0: he did, like, the doctor who helped him, he didn't kill him on purpose or any, you know, he, like, I don't know, and then, I don't know, I mean, he, he did develop relationships with Sydney and Mitch and even Dom a little bit and, like, he was just, he's hes not as simple as just a regular old
1: evil guy. Yeah, he's complicated, but he's also just so cold, too. He is, yeah. He's pretty bad. He's
0: <laughs> <laughs> still bad. <laughs> We've got a couple villains, multiple mini-villains.
1: And I, and how, so how do you feel, too, about Sydney and her choice to not bring Serena back? Because that was another, like, moment where I was just, I was not sure if she was going to go through with it, and then she ends up, Tucking the bones away and not bringing her back? And how did you okay, feel about Okay, but here's
0: that? the other thing. Mm-hmm. As long as she keeps the bones and doesn't bring her back, she always could bring her back. True. Which I know is still different than... It's not like she, like, threw the bones in the river and really, like, closed the door forever. And I do think she's not ready to bring her back. And I do think her sister doesn't necessarily deserve it, especially all the EOs she's brought back have, like, she's probably, even if she could bring her back from a piece of bone, which she figured out, she hasn't really figured out how to bring back an EO that doesn't have... Serious problems. Serious problems, and her and her sister weren't really on good terms, and, I mean, I guess she didn't know all of this, but her sister didn't even really like being an EO at the end, right? I mean, she was kind of, like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I kind of have mixed feelings, because resurrection's a weird thing, because you don't, like, giving someone another chance isn't really... Like as long as she killed her, but no. did she by not bringing her back? I mean, or you know, like how, like what does that mm. relate? Or like how, if she could be alive, if Sydney made a different choice, I don't know. It gets it's complicated.
1: <laughs> I feel like she, I feel like she will never bring her back because I feel like if she really wanted to, she would have done it by now. And I think she mentions that to herself too. She's like, she kind of admits to herself that as much she's as been she, making excuses yeah mm-hmm. she's been making excuses and like she finally realizes that like serena really never tried to save her and i think she comes to the conclusion that she misses her sister but the version of this of her sister that she misses died a long time ago you know like she, yeah it died
0: the first time yeah mm-hmm.
1: it's not it's not the same sister who she wants back and and that's why i think that i, I liked the decision for her to not bring back her sister and I, I think it would have been better if she had, like, thrown the bones into the lake, like, made a definitive decision. But um, I, I don't think she'll ever bring her back.
0: Yeah, I don't really think she will either. And it has been enough time. It's not like it's been a week. It's been five years. And she's been yeah, exactly. practicing and figuring it out. So to your point, if she was going to do it, there was no better time than mm-hmm. when she decided not to. But But at the same time, if in 30 years she matures and... I mean, because she's still 18. She's still a teenager right now.
1: Yeah, I know. She's she's very little. (laughs) (laughs) And she
0: (sighs) looks like she's 14 or whatever, so, yeah.
1: So did you do any research this week? I did. Okay.
0: I was... So we see Eli gets out of jail because he basically makes a deal. He's already been helping the cops, but he proposes a solution where he can help them more by being out in public mm-hmm. and we also see victor go back to jail for the second time and he's like freaking out because he had already decided it, like he never wanted to be locked right. up again right and so i wanted to look up people who like worked with the cops from jail or hmm. you know like um but i didn't really find anything good i i don't know what i was like googling wrong but i like couldn't find anything so then i just kind of was researching other stuff about people in jail and like re-offenders and This is, like, the funniest thing I found, though, and it relates to Chicago and other cold places right now. The Chandler Police Department in Indiana posted on their Facebook page today. Do you want to hear what they posted? Or yesterday, I think it was. Yes. Criminals, please take note. It is too cold to commit crimes. Stay inside and read. Watch Netflix. Go to the FBI bank robbers website and help catch other criminals. Mm-hmm. Anything, but for the love of polar bears, do not go outside to commit crimes.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! I just thought that was that is hilarious. <laughs> just, just stay inside. Wait for it to be above zero, at least.
0: So I was reading this thing on Psychology Today about... Well, so I was trying to find out criminals who help the cops, but for (laughs) some reason I kept finding things where, like, cops who were criminals. Oh, no. (laughs) And so I read this thing on Psychology Today, though, about how being a cop can appeal to certain types of criminals. So I guess, like, if you Hmm. look at, uh, I guess, like, a certain criminal typical personality is attracted to what they consider high voltage occupations and being in like a position of authority having like a gun and all that stuff can be like can actually attract a lot of people who either end up in crime or wanted to or like would have otherwise gone into crime Hmm. um and there's a lot of cases but really in every profession you know you've got some bad eggs like you'll have some lawyers that embezzle and some you know I don't know, whatever. Like, every career has bad people in it. So there are examples of police officers who break the law themselves, whether it's assault or just, like, taking bribes or whatever. But this one statistic I said said police officers are arrested 1,100 times per year nationwide. Whoa. So that's three a day across Oh my the gosh. Nation. Huh. But it also said that... Okay, what did it say? It said... Basically, just because they're arrested doesn't mean that they go to jail. Mm. And that was with this other article that was talking about uh, criminals in the police departments because they learn, like, the justice system really well, and they yeah. can, like, Work, manipulate it holes. to, like, benefit themselves. Mm. So I don't know. I like So basically, I went off on, like, a really weird tangent, and I was like, this isn't what I meant to look up at all. <laughs> okay. So then I was looking about up things about re-offenders, like, if it makes sense, or, like, if pe- how often people who are in jail, end up back in jail later. So, within five years of release, 45% of federal inmates are rearrested. 45%?
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. But the
0: Bureau of Justice Statistics said that 77% were rearrested. So, this number is better. Why are the
1: numbers so skewed?
0: I guess, so the first number I said was federal inmates, and the second one includes state prisons as well as federal prisons. So, most murders, rapes, assaults, and robberies are handled in state courts. Mm -hmm. but federal inmates are uh like the biggest category of federal inmates is drug traffickers
1: oh okay
0: that's just kind of something to keep in mind but of those that are rearrested not all of them are convicted or sent back to prison so they're just arrested again okay yeah so 49 percent is the rearrest rate 32 percent is the reconviction rate and 25 percent is the reincarceration rate So just because you get arrested again doesn't mean you go back to jail. Yeah. But they also say that you're more likely to be arrested if you didn't finish high school. Mm -hmm. So if you finish high school, you're you like go up ten point, or if you didn't finish high school, you go up ten points for not being arrested, and it's a forty point if you finish college. So these are like numbers that people use who want to encourage different education problem programs Mm -hmm. for people behind bars. So saying like if they have an education, they have more opportunity and options when they get out. And they also say that. If you are released before you turn twenty one, you have a sixty eight percent chance of being rearrested. Oh. But if you're released after age rate. sixty, you have a sixteen percent chance of being rearrested. Huh. So that's also there's some people who advocate for compassionate release of elderly inmates. Yeah. Um, especially because as you get older you tend to be more expensive to house in the prison system anyways, because you have like more other medical issues and whatnot.
1: Yeah. But then that's also, like, is that so compassionate? Because then all of a sudden you're, like, 75 years old and you have no, not a lot of savings and then what do you do?
0: Yeah, I don't know a ton about, like, yeah, what what's really compassionate about that? Good point. And I guess it depends on, you know, the type of crimes. What your situation would be if you got out of prison? If you have family that would take care of you, how yeah. long you were in prison in the first like? I mean, there's a t- these are just statistics, so there's a lot of human element that isn't a part of it. But it also said that if you're going to commit another offense, it's most likely within the first two years of your release. So anything hmm. that focuses on like reentry programs or supervision in the first few years is like really <laughs> probably the most important. I'm
1: just laughing because Victor gets released from jail and isn't it like the same day he like kills another guy?
0: Okay also Victor didn't get released from jail. That's Victor <laughs> escaped jail Very which true. I think Very means true. that they did not determine he was ready for civilization yet.
1: <laughs> good point good point. I forgot that small little detail. <laughs>
0: but yes it was the same day. But then this other so then I was reading because I, I like these, like, psychology today reports and stuff. So this is actually from bbc.com. Mm-hmm. But it was talking about how people actually go through personality changes after long stints in prison.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And in general, like, psychology, the psychology field says that your personality is largely fixed once you hit adulthood. Like, a lot, you know, a lot changes in the early years. And then
1: yeah.
0: it can change a little bit within a range. But for the most part, your personality doesn't change unless you go through something like... Super major, yeah, significant and shocking. Being in jail for long periods of time does have an effect. Um, and so they say some of the biggest things, especially for people who are coming out of jail, if they spend a lot of time as a prisoner, is they're like so used to such like highly structured, but socially threatening environment. So they don't have a lot of choice. They don't have a lot of privacy. There's a lot of fear. Yeah, they need to like basically wear a mask to not express a lot of emotion or a lot Mm -hmm. of vulnerability in order to like feel safe in jail usually and there's just all these rules and routines that they like don't even have to think about like where to go or what to do for large portions of the day yeah so all of these things have like a huge impact on what they're like when they get out so it's probably not really shocking to hear, like, going to jail can change you, but yeah. there's some science behind it, so that's cool.
1: <laughs> I believe it, 100%.
0: Yeah, so there was this one test um, that even that proved even a short stay in prison can have an effect on your personality. So they tested, this was in Amsterdam, they tested 37 prisoners twice hmm. at three, three months apart from each other. So after three months, they were showing an increased impulsivity and poor attention control. Oh, wow. So that those are both indicators that your conscientiousness, which is like related to your ambition and your self discipline and your like things like that, it it's an, uh, indicates that it deteriorated. Yeah. So,
1: I, I mean yeah that
0: yes. Yeah. Like says. I said, it's not really shocking. It's not yeah. brilliant. It, <laughs> it's not rocket science. It was science, just kind of but... cool to. I mean, not cool. That's probably the wrong word. But
1: it's in, yeah, it's interesting to to have it kind of backed up with someone who was like no this can have very severe psychological effects long term on someone because yeah. then that better then prepares the, you for like you know how do you i mean i'm not saying this happens all the time but it should of how do you prepare people to leave prison and integrate better into you know where they left off or try to navigate that because that i'm sure is extremely tricky as well
0: i watch the show right now called the rookie have mm. you heard of it or no something?
1: i have heard of it but i haven't seen it
0: it's um basically a bunch of about a bunch of rookie cops as part of it but uh there's like someone who comes into the police station in one episode and like grabs someone and has a gun and they're like can I go back in jail if I kill someone like will I definitely get a life sentence like they're so uncomfortable outside of jail that they just want to like find a way back in and like that stuff's really scary and the, the cops are you know trying to be like don't shoot her.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: We'll figure something else out, but um, the other thing I was reading about though was so cuz I was I started trying to look into cooperation with the cops and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at the number of times people get sentence reductions because they've cooperated with the cops. oh yeah. And it sounds like in a lot of cases, well, I think what people consider cooperating or like what is and what actually happens isn't always a up. So, 80 to 90% of defendants in federal criminal cases Cooperate. I don't know. I think that's a self reported number saying Mm -hmm. that they cooperated. But 24% of cases, the defendant got a sentence below the guidelines for substantial assistance. So basically, even though all these people are saying that they're cooperating or trying to cooperate, or I don't, again, I don't know the details of how they define cooperation in this case. And maybe there is like, maybe it lines up a little bit more. Only a fraction of those people actually get any benefit in terms of their. Sentencing. Oh, interesting.
1: Kind of like how Marcella was talking to Stell and she was like, Yeah, I will capture Victor for you if you leave me alone. And then Stell was like, Okay, Eli, you're going after Marcella.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it is true. Like, what, like with any negotiation, it's just the stakes are pretty high in these cases. Um, You know, you probably say what you need to say to get what you want in the near term and figure out the long term Mm -hmm. later a little bit. You know what I mean? So. Anyway, so that's just some random stats about (laughs) prison-related stuff. That's my research. I did not research prisons. (laughs) Okay. But I
1: did research. um, So I was really fascinated with June's superpower, where she was like a living human voodoo doll. So I wanted to research um, the phenomenon of if someone, like, experiences a pain in their leg, you know, 500 miles away, like – another person feels the same pain, kind of that whole idea. So okay, I ended up researching mirror touch synesthesia, which is... Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually the condition where you can have like sympathetic pain for people that you're close to. People who have this are known to experience touch sensations when they see other people being touched. And it can also be p- feeling pain too.
0: Do they have to see it, though? Yes,
1: that is part of it. So that's actually, like, a big part of it. So there were these, there was a study where they recruited 108 participants, and they showed them all images and film clips of really painful events. Mm -hmm. And then the participants were asked to report, um, you know, did you feel anything when looking at these images, and to rate their level of um, discomfort, and... There were 31 participants who, which they say is about a third of the group, who reported feeling pain, like actual physical pain, in response to seeing the images. Um, Like a sharp, throbbing, stabbing pain um, that lasted for a few seconds and then went away as soon as the picture disappeared. Hmm. So um, they said in every case, the pain they felt was in the same location as that of the observed injury. So if they saw like a finger injury, they would feel pain in their finger. Um, And then those people were selected for a neuroimaging study and um, they had their brains scanned while viewing the same images and the same film clips. And they confirmed that it activated the pain matrix, so-called pain matrix, which is an area of your brain that includes a bunch of words I can't pronounce, parts of your brain, but in the people who didn't respond, who didn't say that they felt pain, um, they're the... Uh, parts of their brain that involved emotional responses were activated, but those that processed sensory signals were not. And vice versa for the people who said they did experience pain. Like, the actual sensory signal of their brain was activated. So, interesting.
0: Was the emotional also activated for those yeah, people? Yeah,
1: so they did say um, emotion an emotional perspective is also very key in this. Like, they have really high amounts of empathy and compassion.
0: So, okay, so this, I just read a book about um, I forget what they're called, but someone who, like, smells colors or whatever. Hmm. Is this, like, anything like that where, like, you see and you've, like, you know how, like, I forget what it's called, but you know where your senses are, like, switched or what? like, you can taste music or, you
1: know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that where I your senses get kind of mixed up. Because
0: it almost seems like you can see something, but you're feeling it or something. Yeah. Like, I wonder, if, I mean, like, it almost, like, I don't know, but maybe it's not the same thing at all. I'm going off on a random tangent. Well,
1: they said that, like, um, there was a guy, so there was a patient, I was reading about, like, different cases. There was a patient who had a stroke and had a loss of sensation on the left side of his body. But what they what they did was they would kind of, like, prod him with certain stimuli in that portion of the body. When he could see the stimuli, so, like, if he could see they were touching him with a fork, he could feel it. But if he couldn't see the stimuli, he couldn't feel it. So, like, there's some hmm. kind of link between being able to visualize it and experiencing the pain and versus not being able to visualize it and not being able to feel anything.
0: So, does that mean a blind person wouldn't ever have this ability? Oh, that's a good question. Because, guess she wouldn't see it?
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: Or I wonder, if, like, if they heard something. Or I don't know if you – or I don't know.
1: I, don't, I didn't read about that. Um, I did read a little bit about um, people who have lost limbs. And they said mm-hmm. that 98% of amputees report phantom sensations in their amputated limb. And they there was this experiment that they did uh, using a mirror box where um, a person would place their remaining arm into a box that would allow an image of the arm to be reflected where the amputated arm would be. So, like, it looked like they had two arms. Okay. And when touch was applied to the good arm, the people were reported feeling a corresponding sensation in the phantom limb crazy yeah i know it's really interesting
0: the brain is like just such a interesting thing like the things it does or doesn't do or the way it like makes connections or how it works slightly differently in different people it's just fascinating to me
1: it's nuts and there's so many cases too i was just reading like a few of them, where like, you know, like a mom would be writing a letter and she'd feel a pain in her hand. And then she'd learn that, like, at that moment, her daughter, you know, had an accident where she like burned her hands. You know, there's so many cases like that. And it's really, it's scary.
0: Well, I have a bunch of random unexplained pains. So maybe I am secretly connected to someone somewhere else. In maybe. The
1: world. And you just need to like find that person and I don't know make them better.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure I was switched at birth at the hospital or something. So it's probably my real family that I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) Well, okay, so there's this this make make you laugh, but I read about this happening with animals too. So there was yeah, there was a house where there was a dog that had um, a leg injury. And the cat started developing the same symptoms in the household, and the cat got better once they took the dog away.
0: Oh my goodness, that's crazy!
1: We need to find the person whose pain you're experiencing, or dog, make them better, or take more. (laughs) Maybe it's Toby.
0: (laughs) No, don't don't take him away from me,
1: (laughs) and do something (laughs) to fix your pain. (laughs) Send Victor after them. (laughs) Oh my goodness,
0: that is fascinating, though.
1: Yeah, I know. So that was my research, and it was it's like kind of freaky but also really interesting
0: so we're done with this series and i was thinking about we haven't done any of the stuff we normally do have we i know (laughs) mostly because i don't want to see any of this on the screen i really enjoyed reading it a lot like i really like this series but i think reading it was enough for me
1: (laughs) the one scene that i kind of would like to see i really liked whenever Eli and Marcella were facing off against each other and she was trying to turn him to ash and he just kept regenerating and they mm. were like in this and I love that standoff where they and then like Victor was trying to break through Jonathan's force field and I just loved the end when Marcella was like it seems like we're on equal footing and Eli was like no because you can still die and then <laughs> And then just like sends her crashing through the floor. It was a really good climactic scene.
0: No, it was great. And I loved like the ideas around it, but I don't want to see someone. I agree.
1: Being ruined and regenerating. I just, I don't think I'd want to actually. It would be hard to see on on the movie screen. I totally agree with you.
0: I think maybe actually something at Eon headquarters, because I was kind of interested in the building and the way the jail worked, too, and, like, mm. you know, the, one police officer going through the walls, um, yeah. Dom and Victor, like, in their shadow world, and, like, all this chaos frozen around them. That could maybe be an interesting scene.
1: Yeah. Aside from that, Or though. just
0: June using her power. Yeah, that cool. Switch between people. But what about our fan name?
1: I feel like we have to be EOs, right?
0: Or could we be, like, sidekicks? Because there are none in this book, and we could just be the
1: sidekicks. (laughs) That's good, actually. (laughs) We'll be sidekicks. (laughs) Because that's what we are, because we don't have the superpowers. We're like Mitch. I loved Mitch, though, yeah. (laughs) We could just be Yeah, okay, that's
0: good. And then... Second. What do we want to rate it out of? How many death okay, experiences? I,
1: no. no, I was going to say, what if we rated it out of dolls? Because we never talked about Doll the dog. Oh, yeah. Right? Wasn't that his name? Yeah. He's named after and doll, a doll is a unit of pain.
0: Oh, I didn't even... It's like yeah. how,
1: how you measure units of pain. Okay, also
0: though, he died like 15 times. I know, that poor dog. <laughs> I thought Sydney could only bring people back once. Or was it like if they died a certain no, way no I think she can because when she brought like or when she was trying her power on like the bones and stuff like the bird bones and then they'd like disintegrate and she'd be like well now I, I only have one chance right so is it only like once she brings them back then they can die again but if she she only gets one chance to try to bring them back each time they die sense? I have that? no idea <laughs> okay well
1: but I feel <laughs> she
0: can bring back dogs. dogs have nine lives or something so no nope, yeah I sure.
1: <laughs> Let's give them ten. One more than cat. Okay.
0: So, out of ten dolls,
1: Doll. <laughs> what would
0: you give this series? Uh, eight. I was going to say eight and a half, because I don't know okay. if I'd give it a nine, but I really, I really like this one a lot.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah.
0: I really especially like the first one. I thought it, this was a really good sequel. It brought a lot of new stuff, but there was something about the first one and how unique it was, and I mm-hmm. liked how it stood on its own that just, like. I think it was my favorite.
1: The uniqueness factor is what really drove it home for me. Because, I mean, there's so many stories about superheroes, right? Yep. So for her, for V.E. Schwab to write a story about superheroes and superpowers and have it be unlike no anything I've read yeah. before, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's, I mean, well done. That's not easy to do. So I, I agree. For that factor, I'm going to give it a high rating.
0: And the pacing was good and the characters were yeah. interesting. There were a lot it of things I really liked slow. about it. It was never slow. Mm-hmm.
1: I think I read one of the halves in a day. Yeah. Because I just couldn't stop. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Okay, anything else about Vengeful or do we want to talk about what's
1: next? (laughs) Let's talk about our next book. I'm so excited. I am too. Do you want to announce it?
0: We will be reading Strange the Dreamer and Muse of Nightmares by Lonnie Taylor. So it's another duology. Um, And she, if you forgot or didn't read it yet, she did the daughter of smoke and bone, which we talked about in season one or two. Season two, yes, season I think, two. and it's one of our favorites. So I'm very excited to get back to this author.
1: I this I cannot wait to read another thing by Lonnie Taylor because her the thing that I love about her is her stories are super unique and her writing is beautiful, and it's that's beautiful. something I really <laughs> admire about her. So I'm really looking forward but to I it. always get a
0: little bit nervous if I've only read I mean like it wasn't one book but it was one series by her that we've really read so far you know sometimes they have like such a good idea and they it doesn't some people are just yeah. like a one story so I hope that she delivers again I just get nervous but I read a random person on the internet say it was even better than Daughter of Smoke and Bone <laughs> so I don't know who they were or if I trust them but that's a good sign
1: oh I can't wait um should we read the back of it
0: yes I think it's your turn
1: okay so this is a little bit about Strange the Dreamer The dream chooses the dreamer. Laszlo Strange, war orphan and junior librarian, has been obsessed with the mythic lost city of Weep for as long as he can remember, but it would take someone bolder than he to cross half the world in search of it. Then a stunning opportunity presents itself in the person of a hero called the God Slayer in a band of legendary warriors, and he has to seize the chance or lose his dream forever. This sounds great already.
0: Awesome. I love dreams.
1: What happens in Weep... 200 years ago to cut it off from the rest of the world? What exactly did the Slayer slay that went by the name of God? The answers await and weep, but so do more mysteries, including the blue-skinned goddess who appears in Laszlo's dreams. How did he dream of her before he knew she existed? In this sweeping and breathtaking novel by National Book Award finalist Lonnie Taylor, the shadow of the past is as real as the ghosts who haunt the citadel of murdered gods. Fall into a mythical world of dread and wonder, moths and nightmares, love and carnage. Welcome to Week.
0: Oh man, I'm excited. And Oof. I'm also really bummed because I don't think she's coming to Arizona or Chicago. I know. We keep missing them. Well, and, um,. Whatchamacallit just came out. Oh my gosh, happy book birthday to King of Scars. Yeah, and mm. you, I'm waiting to read it until the second one comes out, but I'm still super excited it's out there, and she's not coming to Chicago or Arizona either. I'm
1: really disappointed about that, because I would love to meet Lee Bardugo. I would Like, too. if I had to pick an author who I want to meet, it would be her.
0: I want to meet all oh. of them, but she's definitely up there.
1: She's the number one on my list right now.
0: Lonnie Taylor.
1: But did you hear they're making... Um,
0: the Netflix show.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm super stoked.
1: Of Shadow Oh, uh, not Sh- Yeah, Shadow and Bone.
0: It, they said it's based off of both series. It's like based in the verse, and it'll yeah. have some of the characters and plots from um Six, Six of Crows Rose also.
1: <gasps> I'm so glad it's a Netflix series because a movie would be uh I hate I hate when they do it movie because it's it's never good and Yeah. It's just never good but like a series you can actually put some time into it
0: i'm sure it'll still be different but i am excited to see it i agree and I we didn't wait. say how far should we read up to for next oh, week I didn't
1: that. okay next week we're going to read up to chapter 32 the space between nightmares
0: Ooh, that sounds i
1: funny. feel like there's going to be some good research opportunities with this book
0: there are except i need to remember what we've already researched from raven boys or whatever
1: <laughs> i know like even today i was trying to think of I was going to research people who went undercover, kind of like how Dom did. But then I was like, I think we already did that. I couldn't remember.
0: Yeah, that's the problem. I, my brain is not very good and I can't remember anything. I guess I need to like keep a list of what we've already looked up. But even some of the (laughs) stuff we've looked up, it's still like a slightly different bent
1: to it.
0: That, yeah, whatever. It's fun. Oh, well. I can relearn stuff over and over again.
1: Yeah, we will never do the same research twice.
0: If you have some research ideas for us, though, or just want to say hi, or share a better fan name, or your name is Lonnie Taylor and you decided you want to meet us, <laughs> uh, you, or you do go. <laughs> you can reach us at mnktalkya at gmail.com or on Facebook and Instagram at mnktalkya.
1: See you next week. For stri- oh wait, I have to tell you something. Oh what? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I have to tell you a joke. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, B, I was I was laughing because for our next – when we were reading – when we decided we were going to read Strange the Dreamer, I totally forgot. And in my calendar, I just had STD right <laughs> on Wednesday. And I was like, what? STD? What was I trying to tell myself? Oh, I was, my like, God. slightly concerned.
0: My mom has shortened Save the Date to STD while we're doing the <laughs> game prep before. And I'm like, what is she talking about? <laughs> Have
1: you so. sent out all your STDs? <laughs> yeah. Yep, sent them to everyone I wanted. She said, like, can we
0: add someone to the STD list? And I'm like, I don't... What do you mean? <laughs> Anyways.
1: <sighs>
0: Strange okay. the Dreamer will just call it by its STD. full name.
1: <laughs> Here's my joke. Yes. Oh, we are so close to forgetting it again. Okay, so it was. it's based on how cold it was and being in Chicago. So I got... I saw a news bulletin today that said, today's performance of Hamilton was canceled in Chicago due to the polar blast. Once again, Burr kills Hamilton. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. That's such a dad joke. I love it.
1: I know. Also, my um, I, one of my sister's friends posted on Facebook that he thinks he's been uh, playing Hamilton too much for his daughters because apparently um, his youngest told his wife today, Give me juice or I'll kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. (laughs) And she was like, yeah, we need to stop playing this soundtrack for (laughs) them. Oh, man. All right, time to go. (laughs) Bye, buckworms. (laughs) Go get a library card.